Hey friends, Coach Shelby and Coach Christine, welcoming you in and letting you know it's time for brunch. We're here at brunch. There is always an open table, a hot cup of coffee, and endless running fun to keep you moving and grooving. So this week we don't have a structured workout, but with kiddos all over the world gearing up and heading back to school, we decided it was a great time to bring ourselves back to the basics. And while you don't have to bring us an apple for the first day of school, coffee's encouraged. We always appreciate your support and subscribe and review us, share us with your family and friends so that that way we spread the knowledge because as we have heard, knowledge is power. This episode is packed with information, so it doesn't matter if you're a new runner, a seasoned runner, or you're still learning how to spell run, even if you're somewhere in between. Everything we talk about today will have you getting straight A's all through your run, which I did not get straight A's, but... Let's get saved by the bell and get started. Coach Christine, we all know that you are the resident school expert here. I did get straight A's. <laughs> it does not surprise me. I did, and my parents would be so disappointed if I brought home a B. I mean, like, the one time I did, I feel like the world had stopped rotating on its axis. So My parents were thrilled with a B, for the record. <laughs> they my were sister was my a straight brother. A student. Yeah, they were for my brother. If my brother brought home a C, they would be ecstatic. But for me, they would be very disappointed if I didn't bring anything but an A. But, you know, hey, that's a whole other therapy session for here and now. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into having some fun with refreshing our basics of running. Because I think, again, just like you said, I know for myself even, especially with this summer, you can kind of get thrown off of your normal routine or you have a harder time with really honing in on the basics with the weather being a little different. And this is just a great time to kind of check in with ourselves, get back into that routine, and then make sure that we're actually running at our absolute best. And it usually does come down to some really simple things. Before we get into that, though, Coach, we do have an official game, and I want to hear more because we, you teased me a little bit. You kind of told me how you were going to, that you had some really good responses, but you wouldn't tell me what they were. So everyone in that newsletter should have that game, and we can't wait to see all of your responses, friends. We're going to take it back a little bit, back to our elementary school days. What were the hottest Which trends? Lord in, help us. Yeah. <laughs> what were your hottest trends in elementary school, Coach? All right, so the hottest trend when I was in elementary school actually landed me almost in detention. I didn't have to go to the principal's office, but it was a little touch and go for a little bit because I've always been an entrepreneur and have the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so when I was in elementary school, there were these little like jelly men that were just like all different colors, really, really cool. And it was like the thing to have. Well, I had gotten a whole bunch and I decided to sell them which I didn't know was frowned upon in school. So I was selling these little jelly guys for a dollar a piece. And they were like eraser dudes. Like it wasn't food. And I got in trouble because they said, well, you, you can't do that. And it was at least probably a 200% markup to what these guys actually cost. But let me tell you, I made some bank. Oh, I, 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 resonate with this story so much and I wasn't elementary school when I turned on my entrepreneurial spirit it was more middle school for me and I had started making kind of what was really popular of a candy at that point it was like fun dips and I had figured out how to make fun dips from scratch so I was selling I was slinging baggies of fun dip or faux fun dip back <laughs> in the day <laughs> at and least that was good powder yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> well, some could, there's a few dentists that probably disagree, but yeah, I think that's hilarious that we both had those opportunities. Now for me, some of the things that were popular, I think the California raisins, those have to be before your time. I'm sure you don't even know what they're talking about, but actually they're kind of a little creepy if you go back Are and they look like at the- them. Like you're talking about the food, you're talking about the little figures. They were like the California Raisins commercial and they were these little claymation kind of characters that were super like smooth and cool and gave you like all these cool vibes. But if you look back at it now, maybe there's a reason why I tend to have more of a dark uh, aesthetic for the things that I like because they're actually kind of freaky. I have no doubt that they would freak you out. So the California Raisins were super popular. I'm surprised you didn't sleep with a Chucky doll for all for all realism here. I do think I probably would have, but I, I didn't yet at that point. I hadn't really it was embraced that it yet. You got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, friends, so we, what did you want to be oh, when you grew up? A lawyer, like hands down. I Always? knew that immediately. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a singer. I had Christina Aguilera vibes. Oh, that was my dream. I would have been happy to be your entertainment attorney, but no, I had no desire to be like in the limelight or in the front stage entertainment. Absolutely none at all. Huh. Interesting. Well, neither of us became either of those things. And I, again, I might be able to dress like Christina Aguilera in some of not that her dirty phase that that was not my my jam. But everything else, the genie in the bottle, I could get down with some the glitter and the different color hair. I rocked it. She, she was pretty amazing. Now, I feel, again, I was older than you when she came out. So she set a standard that was a little difficult for me to maybe achieve. But still, so I have my own feelings about Miss Christina Aguilera. But I still think she was a fighter, quoting some of her songs. Uh, and, of course, she could get down with getting dirty. So, of course, I love her. What did you look forward to when you headed back to school? It being over. I'm not even joking. I freaking hated school. Okay. I have to be honest. I was going to try to draw a parallel to running. Is that how you feel about running as well? (laughs) I mean, some days if we're really being honest. Um, Yeah. No, I hated school. I threw up every morning going to school. I know. Really uplifting folks. Well, it's not for everyone, or at least a traditional sense of how school went down. It was not for any, anyone or everyone, but at least you've grown into it now and you have embraced all the different aspects. And I think, you know, if you probably were going to school now, it would be very different for you because I do think the pandemic allowed us to see that there was different ways of approaching school. It doesn't have to be this traditional in the classroom setting, which kind of is a little bit of how we'll talk about running its while we're going to give you guys some of the basics, again, you're going to have to apply how this works uniquely for you. Now, before we get into the basics, Coach, one of the things that I did love as a kid was, as you are well aware, was reading. And one of my favorite, favorite stories was Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, which makes me sad that I did not sign up for the Wine and Dine 5K Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) But you know what we have in our little pack of prizes is the Alice in Wonderland sold out. You can't get it anywhere. 5K bib. And friends, we're going to be giving it away to you because Coach Shelby won't let me keep it. So (laughs) (laughs) she did try. She has claw marks that are like on the bib. Yeah, you'll definitely see those whenever you win this bib. And it's The easiest way to win, you just have to head over to the Instagram page, like our designated giveaway post, and share it with friends. 
You have this weekend to do it because this will end officially midnight on Labor Day night, night, September 4th here on Eastern Standard Time. And we will announce our giveaway winner on September 5th, which is Tuesday. Of course, we'll announce it on social media and via email as well. So friends, that's it. That's all you have to do to snag this very much coveted and absolutely adorably themed. And that medal is incredible. I cannot wait to see people actually bring that medal home. All I keep quoting is don't be late, 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 because it's a very, very important thing. Yes. But I think if it's your first 5K, your 20th 5K, your 3000th 5K, it really doesn't matter. Because again, like today, most of us all started at that 5K. At one point, that 5K was so daunting. For some of us, it's still daunting. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of like the perfect way to bring us back to school as runners. Absolutely. So let's talk about the very first thing that we are taking it back to the foundations, which just like heading back to school, one of the first things that you have to do to get back to school is to go school shopping. And did you enjoy school shopping, Coach? Oh, I love school shopping. I love picking everything out. I would pack and repack my backpack 50 million times. I just did not want to actually use said supplies at school. But I love, and look, I love shopping. I still love shopping. So then this is perfect for you. So we're going to talk about, of course, the foundations, just like those school shoes are super important. Those shoes are the very foundation of your running. So if you are more advanced along the way, if you've been running for some time, I do think it's a really good practice to get into where if you're not keeping track of the mileage on your shoes, maybe you set a couple of times on the calendar that reminds you that it's a good time to check your shoes, check to see if it's time to go and maybe get refitted. Your gait does change depending on if you've been working on your form throughout your your workouts. Your gait can change as you get older. Your shoes may be different in terms of what your needs are with weight fluctuations or just what you're actually going after. So don't think that just because you've been doing this for some time and you know your favorites that that's it. You don't need to necessarily worry about running shoes ever again. That's not necessarily the case. And for beginners, This is probably the number one question I see come up. What shoes should I get? Which ones do you recommend? And I don't have a lot of pet peeves, but that's the one that scares me the most because I see so many people automatically give their preferences, which may not work for every unique runner. So this is the one where we really want you guys to go get fitted if it's available to you. And if not, let us know. We'll send you some folks that you could do a virtual fitting with. And the biggest soapbox that I'm going to step on is... Mm -hmm. More cushioning is not always better. Everybody always equates more cushioning to better running, easier running, softer running. It does not mean that that shoe is going to work for you. So it's not like a marshmallow. We love our marshmallows fluffy. We don't necessarily love our shoes fluffy. So again, making sure that you don't get sold on the aesthetic of what the shoe is and really get sold on how it feels. That was a hard one for me to really wrap my brain around because prior to running, it was all about it looking cute, whatever the attire was, including my shoes, even if they pinched or they hurt or they didn't feel great. And this is the one time where you really need to throw any of those things aside and go for functionality. So I I really do appreciate that you're bringing that forward. I think it's also really important that we remind folks that your running shoes should be for running It is really, really, 
really easy to want to kind of get into these once you finally do find the shoe that's comfy for you and kind of hang out in them all day. But we really want you to keep those for running because if you don't, all of those miles do add up, which means you have to rotate them more often. And they're honestly the most expensive pair of shoes I think I own as my running pairs. So definitely yeah. want to get as much people, life. A big mistake is strength training in your running shoes. Do not do it. But, you know, going back to choosing function over the aesthetic, I do have to wonder, why aren't there light-up running shoes? Like, light-up shoes were all the craze when I was a kid, and it would be amazing to have running shoes that lit up. You can get little blinky lights, which are really actually wonderful. Nope, that's not the same. I want to be able to stop my feet and see those damn lights. We will find a way around it, because I do believe that having those lights being sensitive to any kind of impact may impact their functionality. So we'll find a way around it for you, coach. Yes, we will. (laughs) Now, a lot of things that we should think of too is as folks start to transition, maybe you're feeling like you have, you've got the 5K down, you've got the 10K down. Maybe you've been endurance training for some time. It is still really valuable to consider that for different types of workouts, you may benefit from different types of shoes. Not everyone necessarily, you don't need to get out, go out and get five different pairs of shoes, one for your long run, one for your tempo run, one for your hill runs. Of course, if you want to, we're not going to hold you back either. But you should consider that some shoes do have some different functionalities. We've talked about it in the past. We'll reference those. We'll drop those in as well if you guys want to go ahead and listen to some of that. But just a good idea to maybe think about it. And if nothing else, at least having two pairs when you start to get into higher mileage of even the same shoe to swap them in between runs. And that's a really great point too with your shoes. If you're going to have multiple pairs, be prepared that the same exact shoe, the same exact model, same size, everything can feel different. It's not in your head. It's just like clothes. You could pick up the same size and the same shirt and they fit slightly differently. The same thing is with a shoe. They're not hand stitched. They're not, they're mass produced. So if you are going to be getting the same shoe, make sure you do try them both on at purchase and you don't just buy them thinking that they're going to work, stick them in a closet for keepsakes. So that's something I've definitely learned throughout the years is don't always assume because you know what they say about assuming you make an (laughs) asphalt out of you and me. I I definitely do think I learned that early on as well. Maybe not elementary, but at least middle school is probably when I came across the assuming and trying not to do that more often. Now, of course, it's not just all about the shoes, even though that's probably our favorite part of it. It's also making sure that your attire works for the different seasons that you're running in. So it's a good time to invest in some staples, some foundations and maybe take advantage of those tax break holidays that some states have for back to school shopping and pick up a couple of those foundations for yourself. Knowing that right now, as we start to see those wonderful fall vibes uh, pop up in certain areas of North America here, that you could start thinking about more of those layering of the foundations because of course your body heat still going to ramp up a bit during those runs. And you're probably going to want to have the ability to pull some of those layers off. I mean, look, even here in Florida, I have a nice little lightweight jacket that I pull out for our three cold days or our cool days for the northerners. And that's the biggest thing is being able to shed the layers. I very rarely actually wear a long sleeve shirt during runs, even when it's cool out. I usually will do a short sleeve and then the jacket on top 
because I know I'm going to heat up and I wind up just, you know, having a little, uh, little striptease in the middle of the sidewalk and just throwing some layers off. I do the if same thing. If you see me get arrested for streaking, <laughs> then you know why. I do the same thing. I usually actually use a long sleeve tech tee and I will pull that off and just wrap it around my waist. But again, it's all about finding what works for you, friends, and investing in a few of those staples. Now, if you are new to running, this is where things can start to get very overwhelming. And it only takes like one magazine issue of Runner's World to maybe get overwhelmed with all of the different tech aspects. So it doesn't have to be over the top expensive. It doesn't have to be where you go and get in a completely new wardrobe. Actually, when you're first starting running, hopefully you're taking rest days in between. So you could very easily have maybe just one or two different tops and just washing them in between or rotating them out. You don't have to go get a full on race closet full of clothes. Not to mention, you're probably going to have to need to make room for all the race shirts will be popping into your life as you start racing a bit more if you choose to do that. Yeah, that's a great point because I feel like everybody wants all of the things, all of the pretty glittery everything that's in runner's world editions but honestly the only two items like pure clothing wise other than my shoes that i invest in are my sports bras and my shorts those are my two problem areas that i have either a lot of chafing or a lot of discomfort so i'll buy a little bit better quality my go-to right now i know we talked about it in past episode but handful i use their shorts and i use their sports bras they're still pretty cost effective especially when they have their sales um and then the shirts my tank tops and everything i honestly primarily get them from like discounted retailers Mm -hmm. because i go through them fast they get smelly they get stinky and i don't need to worry as much for my body type that i don't have the chafing there like i do in my bra area and my short area I think you're absolutely right on with that. That is such a great reminder. Hitting up those clearance racks, hitting up those discounted stores, hitting up those sales, just to getting a few pieces that way. You don't have to go out and outfit yourself head to toe in Lululemon or you know any of the brand names when when you're first getting started or at any point in your running, to be honest. It really is a matter of what works for you, what works for your budget and finding that and just kind of honing on in and enjoying it. So I, you were going to be going so fast, too. Ain't nobody going to be looking at the brand logos. They're going to be like, damn, girl or guy or person. Like, you're doing awesome. <laughs> exactly. So with that said, the next thing that I feel that we always have to take into account is those days that we get back to school. We're using a lot of energy. We're expanding our brain, which is our number one consumer of carbohydrates. So we got to make sure that our food is on point when we pack up our lunchbox. And that is also super important, your hydration and your fueling for your running, whether you're starting out or you're in, I don't know, maybe your 10th marathon training cycle. There is something to be said about learning the fact that what works for you for your half marathon, your 10K, your 5K may not work for your marathon because you do get bored of your, like, actually you cannot consume the same fuel every single training cycle for those longer distances. Some people can, but there are some people who actually do experience like fuel fatigue. They can't have it. I've, I've been really honest that that definitely happened for me. What happened, what I was able to train with my first training season, I've not been able to touch since then. 
are you talking about the honey stinger waffles? Yeah, I mean they're delicious. They're <laughs> like they're cookies. Like how can you not like them? I just can't. When I go out for a run, they just do not. They they're just. I had them so much during that time frame. So playing with different types of fuel, I don't mind, folks asking others suggestions for hydration and feeling quite as much because I do think that it, you probably will need to try a wide variety of things and hearing other people's thoughts is always a wonderful place to start as to what works for them. Do they have similar GI distress issues as you do or do they have similar palate? Which is why we love to announce that we're bringing back our live fuel review. It's coming back after it's summer. You know, it took a little summer vacation, but I'll be back on Tuesday, September 12th. And our Brunch Plus community is going to be choosing what we're going to be reviewing. So thank you to our Brunch Plus folks that came on and are supporting the show. And we can't wait to hear what you guys have in the works for us to be trying out for this live review. Well, and when it goes back to asking everybody's opinion, I was really excited to see that exact conversation come up in our training group community because one of our runners is really focusing on her fueling, her pre-run, and she said that she had done some dates. Mm, And especially for those with some little bit of extra tummy troubles or like her getting used to fueling before the run, it was really awesome for everybody to get so excited and it to become approachable to be like, okay, let me try this. And even if it doesn't give enough or it's not the perfect feel for you. I think it breaks down that little bit of hesitation to try certain things. So um, I'm really, really excited. There was some, there was some good snack invites there, and I was here for it because again, I love myself a snackitizer. Yes, and I think when you see a lot of like those pre-made kind of where they tout being all natural, if you start looking at the ingredients, a lot of the base is dates. Uh, also, a little fun fact that I recently learned was that when we have our friends that maybe are breaking their fast, like during Ramadan, they tend to break their fast with dates because it is easier to digest. It's a little bit uh, easier on the stomach to process before they actually have their official meals. So I think that's absolutely interesting and kind of does relate really easily to how we're breaking our fast in the mornings with our pre-run fuel if you're going out for those early morning runs. Again, though, this is something that while there are some rules of, I would say, maybe some suggestions, some guidelines to fueling and hydration, it can be super unique to each individual as we've shown with our specific tastings. I think it's been very rare for us to both enjoy the same the same fuel, the same hydration flavors, and how we approach it when we're actually running ourselves. Yeah, we we are so similar, but our differences definitely are polarizing. But again, we've remained friends. We've agreed to disagreed, and I happily will share all the disgusting things that you love that I don't. <laughs> same, same. Actually, <laughs> just meeting with an athlete earlier this week, and we talked about one of your favorite ways to hydrate, which is also one of her favorite ways to hydrate. So um, again, you guys are well, welcome to head on over to our YouTube channel, find all of those goodies so you can kind of get a good idea. Because again, this is where it can start to get a little overwhelming because some of these things are not inexpensive. And while we're big fans of you getting sampler packs, sometimes that's not available to you. So we're kind of trying to help you with 
figuring this out, figuring out what might work for you, what might not work for you. Now, there are certain rules of of thumbs, again, when it comes to how often you should hydrate, how often should you fuel. We are both probably 100% on the same page. We're even in Florida. We really recommend that folks stay hydrated throughout the day and don't try to make up for it on their run. So for the shorter runs, you don't necessarily need to follow that hydration of every 20 minutes. For a long run, I would say that would be something to check in with every 15 to 20 minutes, check in with having a few sips, maybe two to three ounces. Um, Some folks even say six to eight. So it really figuring out what works for you. Well, and even after the dog days of summer episode, when I said about the doggy water bottle that I was going to be purchasing, I did in fact purchase it. We linked it on the blog and it's amazing for Luna. She's enjoyed it so much. So we're making our fueling and our hydration functional for all of us runners, whether we are of a wet snout or just a wet brow. I think everybody has both wet brow and wet snouts after those summer runs, which is why we're all so excited about going back to school. (laughs) Girl, I could wring out my clothes after summer runs. It's just, it's, it's gross. But with that said, friends, (laughs) head on over to the blog because we do have lots of information there. I think, again, if you have any questions, it's very fair. You're welcome to reach out to us. We're happy to kind of help steer you in the right direction and we have lots of resources for you and we would love for you to join on in and tune on into the uh, tuesday september 12th live fuel tasting then as we continue roll, rocking and rolling back to school so we've got our shoes we've got our bags all packed up we've got our hydration we've got our fueling we've got our lunch box the next thing is when we actually sit down in front of the teacher we learn our abcs so coach You said that you didn't love school, but how do you feel about the ABCs of running? The ABCs of running, I love. Okay. The ABCs, the actual song, I have a little bit of a tumultuous path with. I was really proud when I was about, I don't know, four, that I knew my ABCs. And I proceeded to sing my ABCs while walking out in the middle of the roadway without looking both ways. And Boy. I almost got hit by a car. Okay, well, I'm not even joking. These are real stories. So let's stick with the ABCs of running and look both ways before you cross everybody. Well, I love the ABCs from the Jackson 5. So hopefully you don't oh, have any kind of... Song. It's a great song. It's not a good song. It's a great song. So friends, if you want to add that into your playlist, we strongly, strongly <laughs> recommend it. And maybe allow that to kind of drill into you the ABCs of running. Right out of the gate, we're going to talk about alignment, which we talked about or we alluded to with maybe your gates changing as you get a bit more seasoned in your running. And that's why it goes. it's important to check in with your shoe store occasionally as well. So it's all about alignment and alignment is again, your form, making sure that you're running tall, you're running proud. We mentioned that a lot when we're recording our training runs for our groups. And of course, looking ahead, it's funny because I remember early on when I first started running and then I had friends that kind of came to running after me and they're like, how, where should I, like, where should I hold my head? What should I be looking at? And when I said, you know, you should kind of be scanning the horizon from you and looking ahead and, you know, keeping your head nice and like straight. She's like, so it's just like driving a car. I'm like, yeah, basically you're driving your car, your body, and you want to make sure that you are scanning the horizon, that you are being prepared for anything that might be coming your way, especially with distracted drivers, if we're doing any suburban or urban running. But again, keeping that form nice and tall, right? I am definitely 
doing so much suburban running that that's something that is a little scary anytime I leave to get to those busier roads. But keeping our hands at our waist, and I like to think of it as almost a really strong hip to chin of an arm drive, relaxing your hands. What's some of your favorites, Coach? Okay, so the biggest thing I think I had to learn in my ABCs of running is not to bounce. And this was a really big deal for me and my form and my alignment because I was wasting a lot of energy bouncing without driving myself forward. So kind of picture like yourself jogging in place and doing that while you're running forward. And you can you can almost feel the pain because it just does not feel comfortable. And again, you're wasting a lot of energy because you're not actually propelling yourself forward. Mm-hmm. You're almost in a way sandbagging yourself. Yeah, you are spending a lot of energy. And friends, if you did invest in a Garmin and it has it's giving you five or any of the running GPS watches and it's giving you 5000 metrics and you don't know what half of them are, the bouncing is usually found in vertical oscillation. And I think for a lot of folks, they definitely don't realize or they kind of skip over that one specifically, because as you said, coach, it's just something that we kind of, we think it's very natural to just follow whatever our body naturally does. And there is something to that, but also knowing that, yes, trying to minimize that vertical oscillation of bouncing high when we're really trying to continue moving our energy forward. So that's that been is- a big metric that I've been looking at with our athletes, both our one-on-ones and in the group, just kind of keeping a pulse, <laughs> a pulse, if you would say, mm-hmm. on everything. But um, again, also rotating your arms from your shoulders. I see a lot of people kind of get into that toy soldier mode and they're not using that full range of motion. They're kind of just like shuffling And you really want to make sure that while you are making sure that you are at like the hip area and you're moving your arms, that you're moving it with that full upper body in a parallel way and not sitting there going and crossing with your whole like back end. I'm doing this because I'm doing like little shoulder taps, little, little elbow taps as we're recording. Yeah, that's definitely one of them. And then the next one I think is that a lot of runners come to running with a treadmill and it's making sure that when you're on that treadmill, that you're still using that really good form by not hanging on those rails. If you find yourself hanging on to those rails, then you are not allowing yourself to have good core engagement. You're not allowing yourself to actually get that full, really tall form that you need. You're also minimizing the capacity to fully engage your diaphragm with your breathing, which we'll talk about soon. And that's really important that you're also, I think the treadmill is such a good tool in so many different ways, but it also lets you see if you're running and your feet are getting a little too far ahead of you. We'll talk about that as well. So with that, the treadmill is a fabulous tool. So whether you've been running for some time or or you are new at it, maybe popping into the treadmill, kind of check what you're doing there. It'll be easier to notice what you're doing on the treadmill than it sometimes is outside. Which this brings up a trend that I've been seeing a lot on social media. And it goes into one treadmill and to the alignment. I've been seeing a lot of videos of influencers speeding up their treadmill, holding themselves up by the handlebars, and then 
like starting to kind of paw with their foot at the treadmill and then go on the treadmill when it's already going super, super fast. What is up with that? Okay. Yeah. So those are folks that are probably working specifically on sprint aspects where they're trying to mimic what they would be able to do with like sprint workouts on the track and they're utilizing a treadmill tool to help them with that. I would say that that's more of an advanced running technique and I would really caution against anyone doing that or that it's something that you would see also folks doing where they're trying to get into high intensity interval training type workout. They're really trying to maximize the benefit of their cardio when they're on that treadmill. So they're probably going into that pit style or maybe even a Tabata style running, not necessarily going to translate to really good, strong endurance, nor should I, hopefully if you're beginning, that's something you shouldn't even really be considering no matter how cool it may look on that treadmill or on that Instagram feed. That's why I'm like, I get like where it could be used, but I just don't, I don't get it. And I feel like people look at that saying, oh, well, I want to do that. I want to run really fast. If you are not at that level, you can really, really put a damper on your alignment, your posture, your form, your everything. It's much better to go ahead and do that gradual. So that way you can adjust as it speeds up and not not going from zero to 60. And listen, I don't think that I would be able to do it. That seems like a whole other form of I don't even know. Yeah, I probably did it back in the day because I just didn't know any better. But I'm going to suggest that if you guys are thinking you're doing something like that and you want to try to give it a a whirl before you go on to a belt treadmill, which is what most of us have access to, maybe try that on the like slat treadmill version or the assault runner, because that's where you're actually utilizing your body to propel that forward versus letting that belt do all the work and you're jumping into that belt kind of as it's doing its own thing. So that definitely is not ABCs. That is like <laughs> university level running. Let's let's avoid that for now since we're trying to get there nice and safe. But coach, another thing that I think we should talk about is things that folks can do not on the run, but to help them with their alignment. And I love right out of the gate, one of the things that I feel like I struggle with to this day is ankle mobility because as we run and we if we are not spending time on our ankle mobility and flexion it can start to get a little too tight and that makes it harder on the run so doing some of those actually abcs with our ankles tracing those out so you're able to get a bit more ankle mobility or really dedicating time for creating more mobility all the way around is great. What are some of your favorite things to use? I do start doing the ABCs when I am sitting here, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'll start kind of rolling around because, yeah, it's very easy for it to get really, really tight. And I'll do them backwards. I'll do them all the different ways. Um, But one of the things I really do love is actually high knee walks. I really, really love those as well as bridges. For I the record, I thought bridges. you said high knee like like booty, and I'm like, what's a high knee walk? <laughs> I'm high stepping it. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I get it now, but I thought you're talking about high knees. Um, like that's a cute little high knee over there. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, I mean, we do have to focus on the glutes too, but let's not, let's not go to D and E over here. Yeah. Not quite yet. Yes. So high knees are so fabulous. 
to really help with that alignment. I love them. They're probably one of the ones that I gravitate towards the most. I do love butt kicks as well, but I think high knees are absolutely fabulous. There's a lot of other prehab exercises that can be done, but we're again, trying to focus on some of the most basic ones, very easy to start off with. And I love how you said you could do the ankle mobility as we're recording, because it could be done at while you're sitting watching TV, while you're at your computer. Um, so multiple ways to add these mobility exercises into your day. Especially if you are in an office and you might be in those heels, great time underneath your desk to kick them off and just kind of roll your ankles around a little bit, do those ABCs. Hopefully you've washed your feet and they're not stinky after the run, but hey, it's all fair in love and running. But yeah, I definitely love my bridges though too, to just open up those hips, really stretch that spine. And oh, it is one of the best. I could sit in a bridge all day, every day. It's just so lovely. They're great to also help with um, glute activation before you go out for your run. So a lot of these can be done as almost a part of your dynamic movement warm up as you get out there. But what we're going to go ahead and bridge on over to is the B's of our ABCs, which is breathing. And this is probably one of my favorite aspects to, to talk about because I think that folks when I hear that people have difficulty with running, one of the things that they say is that they can't catch their breath or they feel out of breath or they feel like they are panting too often. So one of the very first things, of course, is if you're panting, if you're huffing, you're puffing, you need to probably pull it back, incorporate some walks, do a structured run walk, or just actually not go out at a full pace and really bring it back to where you can control your breathing. But there are so many different aspects of why breathing is really important to hone on in. And I love diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing, really incorporating that diaphragm where you're doing kind of that Buddha belly, little soft expansion of the belly. You're not, when we tell people to kind of engage their core, a lot of folks automatically think that means sucking in their stomach when that actually constricts your breathing and doesn't allow you to go the distance. So coach, what are some of your favorite aspects of breathing? (laughs) Haha, besides keeping us alive, but what are your favorite aspects (laughs) or cues that remind you to breathe or how do you breathe in your running? So I, on my quote unquote, easy runs, I always try to focus on nose breathing. So in through the nose, out through the nose. And then my harder efforts, I try to do in through the nose, out through the mouth. Now, just like shoes, everybody's gonna have an opinion. Everybody's gonna have their own way of doing it. Really, you have to go with what feels the most comfortable and build from there. One way that I really worked to hone in on my breathing was actually incorporating yoga. So it might surprise people to hear a non-running activity playing into my running, but in yoga especially, breathing is the cornerstone of all the poses, all the meditation, and it will help you, especially if you focus on that portion of the yoga practice, it will help your running because it becomes more natural for you to slow down both mentally and physically. And therefore you don't kind of get into that panic state when you start running that so many people do experience and start going fast and your kind of fight or flight reflex is engaged. So I I really do credit yoga a lot to helping my breathing on the run. Absolutely. That's actually, I think, was pivotal when I first started running 
was that I started incorporating yoga pretty early on as a really great way of helping to stay um, stretched and mobile and creating that balance and yoga breathing was really, really pivotal for me. I will say that the nose breathing specifically for beginners and for easy runs is a great way to one, know that you're easy running, um, which is really important for beginners. So that's definitely one of the ways that it's a grip parameter. If you are not able to control your breath with nose breathing, then likely it is because you're going too fast and you need to pull it back a little bit. So that's a great way. Also, helping to calm the brain down. Usually when you do start to breathe in through your nose and your mouth, you have a, a bit of an automatic, automatic response in your brain that does feel like you're pushing a bit too hard, which is where more of the mouth breathing comes into play. If you get into your tempo runs, you're doing st structured speed work, maybe even hills. So it is, that's where the debate kind of stands because there really is not one size fits all and it's not one size fits every type of run but as a beginner or on your easy runs I would say nose breathing is pivotal and then mouth breathing holding on to that being a way to really maximize the oxygen you're bringing in that helps again to fuel your muscles when you're getting into more of that tempo or anaerobic state. Well, and one thing that the diaphragm breathing actually really does help with that translates into the running is you work those muscles, not only from that aspect, but you also will learn to lengthen your exhales while shortening your inhales. And again, in running, I take a nice deep inhale, like I, it's healthy, but I do spend a lot longer on the exhales and your breathing also can help with those side stitches. Because when you do get a side stitch, if you inhale and exhale on the same side, when you're, okay, let me, let me reel it back because it's going to get confusing. So you're running, you get a side stitch on your right side. You want to focus and practice inhaling and exhaling as your right foot hits the ground. And then that's going to help that side stitch and help that muscle relax a little bit more. So again, the breathing it really is. I always go back to the Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi and just taking a deep breath. It really can fix 99 problems. I've got 99 problems, but my breathing isn't one is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> okay, got exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we know that form is pivotal with our alignment and actually that plays into every aspect of any kind of physical activity you do breathing as well. And it's so fascinating to me that something that we have to do to keep us alive yet can be so complex for us to spend time on and valuable for us to spend time on learning because there are lots of different rhythms and all of them have really great tools or can be used as great tools for different formats. So again, if you guys Do you have, do box breathing? I use box breathing only for um, if I'm having a high stressor level or anxiety. Box breathing helps with calming the amygdala portion of your brain where it's starting to panic. So it, box breathing is really essential for anxiety. Absolutely. I do love it. I actually even love seeing it as the four corners of a box. And in my head, I kind of visualize that when I use four by four box breathing, but I don't typically use that for running. I do usually focus more on that diaphragm, deep belly breathing and focusing on uh, breathing in through my nose and breathing out through my nose for easy runs and then bringing in that oxygen through both my nose and my mouth for those harder runs. 
I could see the box breathing being a little bit easier for people during their recovery period mm-hmm. or during their cool down. Again, running math is hard enough. If I have to count the numbers of my breaths with um, your feet. <laughs> Yeah, I'm too busy trying to count my cadence. I I don't think I could count my breathing, too. That's a whole lot of math and a whole lot of numbers that Coach Shelby cannot program into her Garmin. Well, let's talk more about cadence because that is our final aspect of the ABCs. And this one, I have a few athletes who are spending a lot of time on focusing on their cadence and it's paying off in spades. They're starting to see their paces improve without a lot of energy output. They're starting to feel better and having less niggles and pains and aches. And it just looks absolutely beautiful. I can see the effort that they're putting in and making this change. And I know that while some runners may normally have a really beautiful cadence, it doesn't usually come naturally to most folks. And I think that while it's pivotal and it's very basic, this can be something that can really be a game changer for your running. So basically what is cadence? And it's the number of steps that you take per minute. That's it. So a big, like fancy term, it feels very, very simplistic. And it is at its core. Simple doesn't always translate to easy though. So it's really finding a rhythm. And I know you're a band and we have, oh my gosh, we've got so many people in our training group that are, are, are band geeks or, you know, band I rock know. stars. I, I'm like seeing the pictures. I'm like, is that a trumpet? I'm like, what, what instrument did you play? Yes. I'm like, let me know if you're my people. So um, I feel like you guys yeah. already have an upper hand because you had to learn a lot about cadence and you already have that aspect of working it with the rhythm um, and kind of marching to the beat. I don't know that for us non-band humans if it comes quite so easily, but there are so many great tools, including your Garmin, Coach. So setting your Garmin to where it can kind of cue you in to stay in that sweet spot of your cadence. And then remembering that this is not going to be something that you change overnight. You're not going to go from a cadence of 140 to 180 and one run. So it's a continual, consistent practice of working on that cadence. Now, which is runners, we still fight against that slow and steady progress. We still yeah. are like, no, I just want it to be done. And it's it's not a participation medal, unfortunately. You, you got to put in some work. You, I'm glad you're saying that because this is where it comes down to. I think that as runners, we focus a lot on Medal Monday and we love those races. But these are the things that you don't get a, an award for. You're not going to necessarily, unless if you're working with a coach, we'll definitely give you a lot of out of boys and out of girls for these kind of things. (laughs) But you're not necessarily going to have, nobody's going to like roll out a big uh, balloon way arch for you whenever you hit your cadence of 180 that you've been working toward. And so let's talk a little bit about that. 180, again, just like everything else, there's not one size fits all. It may not be the number that you are going to hit. It's just a barometer about 170 to 180 is what we generally are going to ask most runners to start focusing toward and again working towards it incrementally maybe seeing more of a 10% increase in their cadence over time versus going directly from wherever they're at to 180 overnight well and I know in our training plans we've been putting in strides which is amazing for cadence If you do run walk or you do the full Galloway method, you are probably pretty familiar with those strides at the beginning of the runs, Um, but they are 
amazing. They really set your runoff great. You know I'm a big fan of doing them at the end as well to kind of give that little bit of last kick of energy. But strides are a great way to help work on your cadence as well in kind of a shorter little burst if you don't mm -hmm. want to be having like a metronome app in your ear for the entire run, which is also a great way to do it. Again, it's highly annoying, but if you wanna see what that 180 steps per minute sounds like, feels like, it's a great way to kind of get that hard and fast visual and then be able to work backwards from there. Yes, and this is again where we're gonna talk about that treadmill coming into play. This is a wonderful aspect for you to see the cadence. Couple of form tips going back to the alignment that help with having a higher cadence is shortening our stride, making sure that we're landing underneath those hips. And that usually just thinking of a nice quick footstep turning over versus that high vertical oscillation. We're not bouncing up or keeping it low to the ground and just really propelling off that surface. But when you think of utilizing that surface to move forward, so you're kicking back behind you versus up into the sky. So this is where that treadmill really comes into play where you will see and hear and feel almost immediate feedback if you're landing too far ahead of you because you'll start to actually kick the kick plate in front of you. And that's always a great reminder to one, let that belt pull you back to where you're in the middle of the actual treadmill versus a little too close to the front display. And it'll allow you to also see that you need to maybe shorten up that stride a little bit and turn those feet over a, a bit quicker. And again, making sure that we're giving you guys practical tips on and off the run a great way to work on the cadence off the run is by hopping on that bike, whether it's a stationary or mountain bike and turning the resistance down. So you're having to pedal faster to go farther or go faster. Um, it's a really awesome way to just work on that foot turnover. Is it gonna solve all the 99 problems? No, but it's a great complement to the work that you're doing on the run. So if you're looking for a way to kind of be a little bit more invigorated in that cross training and utilize some of the extra equipment or the extra tools that you have. Um, a bike is a great, great way to do it. You don't need a fancy road bike. You can have a mountain bike and put it on a trainer. There's great little trainers that you can get on Amazon for like 50 bucks. Stick your bike on there and having the comfort of your own home. I was just talking with one of my one-on-one -on -one athletes about that because they were looking at a bike and hoping that it would help complement their run. And this is a great way to utilize it. Absolutely. Before we leave the conversation of cadence, I do want to talk a little bit because we get this question quite frequently is, what cadence should I be aiming for in my walking? Because we do have a lot of folks that do run walk, which of course we're big proponents of. And I can't speak for Jeff Galloway himself, but I would think that he would probably suggest that you focus more on moving strongly versus being hyper-focused on your cadence. However, I know, again, as runners, a lot of us are very metric-focused and we want a number to achieve. So this is where we would generally say, again, knowing that cadence will vary according to your stride length, according to your height, to your leg length, all of those things. But searching for a a cadence of about 100 to 129 for your walking puts you in about moderate intensity of physical work. If you're looking to really pick it up and have more what I call the New York hustle, then you're looking for about a cadence that's 
over 130 on those walks. That can be a bit higher, harder to achieve. That could get into some speed walking aspects. So again, allowing yourself to really focus if you're using run walk. The walk is, you're still moving, you're still gripping, but it is also for you to catch your breath. And if you're moving too fast on those walks and it's not letting you really recover for your run portion, then you're not really doing yourself any favors and over-focusing on your cadence there as a beginner or actually anywhere part of your, your run walk journey. And just like the ABCs, they are all interconnected with every A, B, and C that we have gone over so far. It's important to remember as you get tired, it isn't just your stride changing. It isn't just your posture changing. It isn't just your breathing. It's everything. That fatigue comes in, you start to round your shoulders, your hips drop, your chin lowers, and that's when you have to remind yourself to haul and proud because that's going to work on alignment, that's going to work on breathing, and that's going to work on cadence. So maybe we don't have a sing in the running world like Miss Congeniality, but we do have our ABCs. So maybe even write ABC on your hand or put it on your safety belt to just remind you When things get tough, bring it back to those basic, basic steps. Absolutely. Getting back to the basics is always such a great way of doing it, as you said, coach. And then with that, one of my other favorite parts of school was recess because I had ants in my pants and didn't want to be stuck inside all day long. So utilizing some fun games and some fun drills into our running will actually help us translate over to those everyday running. So I love cadence drills. It's one of my absolute favorites. I know you love strides. But I love challenging myself, as Jeff Galloway would teach us, to try to improve those cadence drills from one to each up, one to the next, with one to two steps faster in each drill. I also love changing up my terrain. Not only does it help with mental fatigue of my running, but it also encourages you to utilize different aspects and different muscles as you would need for like a beach run versus a sidewalk run or a trail that has a bit more asphalt versus a dirt trail. So changing it up a little bit, what are some of your favorite training games and drills that you add into your day? So one thing that is definitely a crowd pleaser among the athletes is having different paces and long runs. I can't tell you how many of the athletes love the pace changes in their long runs. And while you can benefit from a easy, steady, a long run, I love pumping it up and having my athletes focus on different efforts, different paces during their long runs and just making it a little fun and having them guess, having their bodies guess and learning to pace themselves and feeling all of it especially when you're in those longer miles and having that fatigue. So while a speed day is great, sometimes it's nice to, you know, change it up a little bit. So one of the benefits that I get as a coach is just being able to put in a little surprise and change change what they think is going to be happening that week. I think so as well, because I think that especially as we first get into running, it's very much about the time on your feet. And that's really, at the end of the day, the most important foundation. But to break up the monotony, having a a little bit of surprises along the way so that you're not doing a slow and low every single time you go out for a long run really does make a big difference. Of course, coach, you know, I love my notebooks going back to school. You know, I love, love, love all the fancy pens. I had glitter pens. I had gel pens. I had different color pens. I had 
um, I don't know, all those different pencils and stationery that you could think of because it was my favorite part of school. It's also my favorite part of Did you have those pencil running. toppers? Of course. The pencil toppers that had the string and then you could like spin them around. Did, yeah, was, I that, did. Did you age out before that? I, I I know I had them because I had all the little fancy things because I don't think that I officially ever aged out of any of the things that have to do with <laughs> I, still, I mean, we go to Disney regularly, so I mean, exactly. it doesn't surprise me. I have, I'm literally looking at my pen right now. It's a feather pen. It literally is just a regular pen with a big peacock at the end. So um, I think I was using a Beauty and the Beast pen the other day with a little enchanted rose. So yes, all about those things. But whether you prefer notebooks and pen and paper, or you prefer utilizing your notes, maybe if you're using, if you're working with us as your coaches on Final Surge and you're using those notes there or on your Garmin or your Strava, keeping track and keeping progress because I promise you you're gonna love to look back you're gonna love to see how far you've gone and it's something that I think as coaches we're able to really remind folks like hey just a year ago you were excited to go half a mile and now a year later you've just done a half marathon and I think that as runners we get frustrated we're like but I was hoping to have a stronger half marathon or I was hoping to go I don't know 16 miles this weekend versus 13 miles and it's always good to kind of look back and see how far we've come well as you come off the heels of having one of your athletes do his longest run ever so that's pretty that's pretty apropos because I was pretty pumped for him It, it is so exciting I love those first of those training seasons and I think that again as you're more seasoned as you get through it and you've had maybe a first of those double digit runs several times over it's really important to still have that wonder and that gratitude for how much work that we've done and also a lot of grace that comes along with hey maybe I'm not as fast as I was last year but I'm sure I'm definitely beating the person who you know 15 years ago would have given up after a quarter of a mile in. So kind of looking at it from how far we've come into progress, definitely not using it as a a yardstick to beat ourselves up against. So reflecting on your journey of running or how far you've come maybe from those elementary school days is always really important. With that said, Coach, what are some of your favorite memories? My favorite memories from my runs or my school? Running. My running. Yeah, from those early days. Uh, I think again I think the first run that I ended and I didn't feel completely spent and trashed from it was that glowing moment of wow maybe this can be a reality maybe this is something I can do and it felt like the preconceived notions I had of myself as well as the preconceived notions of others just didn't hold the same weight anymore literally or figuratively so it was just that that true like runner's high euphoric moment of wow and not feeling the same doubt that I had. What about you? Yeah, I, I feel like it always is that. It goes back to really rewriting our story. And I know I've said it before and I'll say it again that I feel like my first marathon training cycle, I rewrote my story every single footstep. So of course that specific running trail has a lot of, I'll I'll even go back and revisit it to this day just because it does remind me of how much my life did change because of the confidence and the strength and the resiliency that I learned through running. So that's definitely phenomenal. But some of my favorite, I think, stories or thoughts or memories from running 
came from like just really honing on in with some really good friends. They weren't necessarily the best friends. They were just friends where I was able to have a lot of fun with people that I love or have come to be very close with. So I, again, have to say that that's something that's super important. Um, So friends, when you're out there, even if you're in the middle of a really hardcore training session, do try to find some of the aspects of how grateful you are for this opportunity to move and connect. And of course, you're doing your body and your mind and your soul a whole lot of good. So in that, with that vein, I think that we also want to hear from you guys. So we love to hear back from your elementary school days. We can't wait for you to share that graphic, but please pop into the Facebook community page or tag us on Instagram and share your back to school back to running school favorite moments on social media we should say we definitely want to see those and of course participate in this amazing giveaway that we've got going on this weekend because again so excited talk about adding a little bit of whimsy and fun back to your running if that's exactly what you need after a hard summer training season i think this 5k at a run disney with a little bit of alice in wonderland and of course not being very late for that very important date is all that it takes (laughs) with that said though christine we have not touched upon the most important C of the ABCs. Ooh, is that attitude? It's coffee. <laughs> we gotta bring the coffee with our ABCs. Do we not have a well, podcast that's named I, after brunch? I will say coffee does improve my attitude, so I can understand that. Absolutely. Coffee's amazing. So it has been a while since we've we've participated in coffee with the coaches. So this one comes at us from I think one of your athletes, coach, right? It does. It does. Okay. They were talking to me and they expressed my running tends to always fall into the positive split category. I can't tell if it's a mental hitch or if my body just feels better that way. I hear that a negative split is better. What do I do? Okay, that's a beautiful question. I'm so curious what your specific response was, but my response automatically would go to, again, it's not what is better for somebody else necessarily. My concern would be if they're doing positive split running, which means folks, um, a positive split run means that you start faster. A lot of us do this, especially when we're newer to running and we get tired and our um, miles end up getting a bit slower as we continue to roll through the run. I see this being a potentially, it may not be, but I could see it being a potential problem down the road if they're looking at long-term endurance, if they're starting to get into 10Ks, 15Ks, if they're getting to half marathons or full marathons, because again, it feels to me there's a big possibility that it's not a mental hitch. It's much more of their body probably does feel better that way because they're starting too fast. So that's right out of the gate what my thought process is on that. And I would really want to see if we could work on starting slow And how do you feel towards the end of a run when we really focus on increasing that pace and getting faster throughout it? To see. Because maybe, I mean, it's quite possible this individual will always be a positive split category type runner. But I think that there's probably some physical tweaks that can be done to see if maybe we can get them feeling stronger towards the end of their run. And this is where we really do always say we're working with a coach, you get different bits and bobbles because I did not prep Christine at all with any background on this athlete. And I think 
with what the information you were given, that was absolutely the correct answer. And I was able to dig a little deeper because I had the history with them. I was able to see their runs. I was able to see everything. So for where they are currently at in their training, we're working with the positive split mentality with plans to do exactly what you said is roll back, go back to the basics, the ABCs, Mm -hmm. and really making sure that we hone in on where they are at currently with the race coming up and making sure that we don't derail those plans, but also approaching it from a safe and a mindful manner and paying attention, like you said, to that cadence, that breathing, that bounce, all of those different metrics. So again, just another way it really highlights that the extra context really allows us to steer athletes in the correct direction and make sure that we are looking at all of the angles and it's not just a, a, a vague Google answer. Yeah, absolutely. So that will be very exciting. And I can't wait to hear more about this athlete doing some awesomeness as they work on those ABCs and kind of bringing it back to the basics. So friends, of course, share some of your ABC stories with us. And we cannot leave you without just a couple of recipes that we are going to share. Coach, I love and I do mean love having some really easy prepared breakfasts for those mornings, especially with back to school season, especially with us having to kind of fit everything in. So I am all about having some pre-made pumpkin because it's fall, banana oatmeal cookies, even if it's still hot in Florida, we're going to, we're going to hone in on fall. (laughs) And I, I mean, I just love pumpkin spice and I love adding in that banana. This is such a great recipe to have in your back pocket before we're talking, like when you're going to go out for those long runs, when you're going to go out for those speed sessions, when you're going to go out focusing on your ABCs or just on the way to drop off your kid before you start your really long work day. So getting these in with a delicious pumpkin banana oatmeal cookie is definitely what I have on my oven that I'm baking on up. What about your side? I am making some freezer burritos because for me, breakfast is my biggest meal of the day. I wake up and I'm raring to get that fuel in and that breakfast burrito with some of my tofu bacon and my little fake egg. I know it doesn't maybe sound that appetizing, but throw in some black beans, maybe a little salsa if you're feeling spicy. Oh, freezer burritos are the way to go. You make them, they're done. You set it, forget it. Pop them in the microwave without the aluminum foil. For those who don't know, don't put (laughs) aluminum foil in microwaves. And it is delicious and nutritious and makes, makes your morning just a little bit of a fiesta. Well, with that said, hopefully you feel like you've had a fiesta today with your ABCs and your back to school of running friends. We're going to give you a big high five if you were out on a long run while you were out here or you were out getting... Maybe you're in the uh, school pickup line that I know Coach Shelby's been at quite a bit. Then we want you to give yourself a pat on the back. You did absolutely awesome. We love you hanging on and listening all the way through. We'd love to hear from you what maybe resonated with what's going on in your running journey right now. So again, really do join in on the community. The link is in those episode notes. We want to hear all from you and get to know you a bit more. But give yourself a high five because you deserve it. And then make sure that you're rehydrating, refueling with your Brunchtastic favorites, which of course is just another reminder that you want to join us for that Time for Brunch live fuel review that's coming on up later in September. So 
RSVP, join us on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to check out our Quick Bites edition where we're bringing it back, of course, to finish up the World Marathon Majors. We're going to do those spring races and wrap those on up. And of course, we'll be back next Friday for another long run where it's time for brunch because we're going to keep serving up more miles with a side of smiles.